The following is a message by Pastor Ken Prater of Durkeytown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. For more information about Durkeytown, please visit our website at www.durkeytown.org. That's D-U-R-K-E-E-T-O-W-N dot O-R-G. Locate uh, the third letter that John wrote uh, there in your New Testament. If you get to the book of Revelation, turn back to your left just two pages. Um, skip by Jude. We've already spent time with Jude. Um, and now into John, where we have been working on uh, this idea that what, was, what happened at Pentecost, what took place as the Spirit was poured out in Pentecost, needs, of course, to be continuing today. Uh, we, we're, we've seen how it continued here in John's letter uh, to his beloved friend Gaius. And then we need to say it needs to continue in uh, the life of the Durkeytown Baptist Church as well. And so this uh, series is both uh, a rejoicing in what God has done in his church throughout the centuries, um, some 2,000 years, and then, of course, what he is presently doing in our church, and to remind us um, that uh, it is uh, faithfulness to God that always counts, and then the fruitfulness is God's to bring, and as we're kind of in this season of reestablishing uh, things here at Durkee Town and hoping to continue to develop down at St. James in the village, that God will bring fruitfulness to us as we faithfully do uh, his work. Our theme today uh, is on why hospitality matters. Why hospitality matters. Let me read uh, 3 John verses 5 through 8. Um, as John writes, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I want to start with taking us um, into a, a, a just a, about 10 minutes of reflection on um, God as a very generous God who has demonstrated great hospitality uh, to his created world and, of course, uh, to us. We should uh, remember that the practice of hospitality flows from a heart of generosity. Um, and it is in this act of generous hospitality when we engage in it that we make manifest the truth and the love of the triune God who by very nature is generous and hospitable as he fills all of creation with his life-giving presence. And, and it is really important in a time when the church seems to be squeezed so much and we seem to lack influence into the larger culture that we have to remember that God 
is still filling all things through his son Jesus as the spirit of Christ now poured out upon uh, the earth. God is filling his creation with his life-giving presence. He is a generous God, filled with hospitality. I mean, just think, aren't we glad when we look at the variety, at the abundance of the way God has expressed generosity and hospitality? He didn't make just one kind of animal. He didn't just make one kind of tree. He didn't just make one personality or one kind of individual person. He has, in in a way that expresses out of his very nature, his own generosity, he poured that out into the created world. And so when we, on a warm and humid yet beautiful day such as this, and we drive around and we look at the flowers and the trees and all that we enjoy, we have to remember this flows out of the triune God's very nature, which is one of generous hospitality but we find don't we after our first parents are expelled from the garden due to Adam's sin that the world becomes a very inhospitable place the sweat of the brow the thorns the briar but even more horribly than all of that is when one brother rises up against another brother and kills him and then just a few chapters later We read the whole world has gone mad as they are just sinning constantly against God and against one another. So God, who poured out great generosity in creating this world, then responds to the inhospitable reality of the world due to sin and death by sending Jesus, his son incarnate, into the world in need. As I've often said, God looked at our neighborhood and he moved in anyway. It didn't keep him from us who are in need. And when you look at the life of Christ, you look at a life that then through obedience developed generous hospitality and the life of Jesus was open to all kinds of people in need. It it was a life filled with an attitude of, of abundance. Just think about it. The best wine gets served at the marriage feast after the other wine is all run out. And people are like, where did this come from? And it came from Jesus, who fills those water parts with the best wine possible. And then, of course, in the feeding of the 5,000, everyone gets a fish sandwich, right? So they're full, and the hungry disciples who've been feeding everybody all day long, they get 12 baskets left over. Jesus didn't say, one fish sandwich for everyone and no more. No, he, he, is, he has developed in his life an attitude of generosity and hospitality. He knows the people are hungry. He knows they need to be fed. He says, feed them. And they go like, well, how are we going to feed all these people? And he says, well, bring me what you got. And there it is. He blesses it. And off he goes, filling all things. It was with an attitude of abundance on that day of the last day of the great feast of booths. The great day, as John describes it, that Jesus stands up and cries out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Can you imagine? If anyone thirsts, 
Jesus says, come to me and drink. And if you believe in me and you drink from me, you know what's going to happen? Then out of your heart is going to flow rivers of living water. And then John comments as Jesus said this in anticipation of the Holy Spirit coming. Now, uh, in, my, in my daily crossword this week, they asked a question which I thought was a trick question. Where is the heart located? And I thought they were looking for some, you know, fancy medical answer. And it was a four-letter word, C-H-E-S. Oh, five-letter word, T. Uh, chest. It was very easy to get to eventually, you know. So I want you to think about your chest for a moment and that thing that's inside your chest that beats and courses blood throughout your body and keeps you going, right? I want you to think about that for a moment and think that when you were brought into Christ and the Spirit of God was given to you, that now gives you the capacity that out of this heart will flow not just a little trickle of water, not kind of an annoying drip, drip, drip from a, a leaky faucet. Rivers of living water. You and I, the church, has the capacity to have out of our lives flow rivers of living water. That's what Jesus said. Because it flowed out of his life. And of course, this attitude of generous hospitality then leads Jesus to set his face like a flint towards Jerusalem and die in such a way that sins can be forgiven. So that truly, anyone who comes to him and drinks from him will be no longer thirsty, will no longer be hungry, no longer has to be afraid or filled with shame or filled with guilt. We can be filled with Christ as we are saved by his grace. And then that spirit, of course, is poured out and the infinite oceans of mercy and grace flow out as the spirit is dispatched on that great day of Pentecost and Peter stands up and preaches uh, about the death of Jesus by crucifixion, about the resurrection of Christ, about the ascension and exaltation of the Lord Christ into heaven seated at the right hand of God on high and then the hearts of people are opened up and the triune God pours himself out upon those sinners who then repent believe in Jesus and they are brought into God's grace and then it is with this view of generosity and hospitality that the apostles lead the church to act in love they bring a new dynamic of God's love and what happens is it causes the church then to be known as a people of great generosity, a people of great hospitality. And it was open regardless of skin color, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of economic status, regardless of whether you're male or female, bond or free, or Jew or Gentile. You can be brought under this great umbrella of generous love because God is a hospitable God who entered into an inhospitable world and begins to change it and transform it with the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. This practice of generous hospitality then must flow from a heart that has been changed by a generous, hospitable God. And that is how we make known the truth and the love of the triune God whose very nature is one of generosity, 
one of openness and hospitality to all who would come to him. Now, I have a question. I just compressed that into a very short little few minutes. But given all that we know about the triune God, how is it possible for the church not to be a place of generous hospitality? How is it possible? And yet so many churches are. How is it possible that we, who have been given the Spirit in abundance, close our hearts to Spirit-led responses that wants us to be generous and hospitable to each other and to people all around us who are in need. Given all that we know about the triune God and his work in us, how can we not be people with hearts wide open to each other and to people that are lost and lonely? How is it possible? And yet, you know what God does? God keeps coming to us. God keeps nudging us along. God never closes himself off to us, not even to his people. And, and, and the open-ended question, quite honestly, we see it in Acts 2, the day of Pentecost. We see it in John 3 as the church is in action. The open-ended question for us is simply this. Will we open our hearts to God? Will we open our hearts to God? In the first two sermons from 3 John, uh, we, we've seen how truth and love come together in the life of the church. We, we, we have seen what was started at Pentecost continues on today. And how truth and love then produce life. Life that flows. It's everlasting life. It's eternal life because it flows from an infinite, eternal God. And, and we said that this Trinitarian love doesn't force us it frees us. So that's why I, I'm not here to talk about a new program of hospitality. I'm not here to pass out cards and get you to sign up to be more generous. I am preaching to you the gospel of grace and saying receive it so that then the Spirit opens your heart, your own unique place in this church and in this world, and then that you might respond. Because Trinitarian love doesn't force us, it frees us. It doesn't cripple us. It empowers us to love ourselves and to love our neighbor. We have been buried with Christ in his baptism. We've been raised with Christ in his resurrection. We have been seated with Christ in the heavenly places and all of this so that we might subvert the powers of death and darkness and show people a new way to live. The Hebrews 13 way that loves one another, that visits people in prison and identifies with people who are in need and, and, and trusts God with confidence and, and doesn't hoard things, but we have open hands to give freely to all that are in need. I told you last week that um, 3 John actually acts as a portrait of love in the life of a church. There are no commands 
Because obedience is producing the fruit of love. And one aspect of this fruit is indeed generous hospitality. That's what we read in verses 5 through 8. John told Gaius that to develop a practice of generous hospitality is a faithful thing to do. Do you want to be a faithful Christian? You know, one of the answers to that question, what, what is a faithful Christian? What does it look like to be a faithful Christian or a faithful church? It looks like generous hospitality. That's one aspect of fruit that all Christians should be, by God's grace and the Spirit poured out, producing in our lives. John would tell Gaius that it's a faithful thing and that often, although not always, it's directed to the family of God. He calls them brothers, and some of those brothers were unknown to the congregation, strangers as they are. This means that there are times when uh, hospitality gets extended to people that we know in the family of God, and then sometimes it gets extended to people that we don't know who are in the family of God might be people who walk in the door, they're new to the church, you go to them, you talk to them, you invite them over here, you take them to lunch or whatever you might do, get together with them later in the week. It certainly includes people that we are uh, in a relationship with outside of this church, in missionary context, that uh, we are uh, showing generous hospitality to them. And and of course, it's um, a reflection then on what we really think about God who was so generous to us that we then pour out of our lives generous hospitality. I love this expression in verse number 8 when, when John uh, reminds Gaius and commends him, we ought to support people like these, these brothers who've been traveling and visited the church. Why? That we may be fellow workers for the truth. Fellow workers for the truth. This is why you need to have a a list of missionaries that you're praying for. You can't go visit them where they are, but you become a fellow worker in the truth that's being proclaimed in that missionary context when you act generously toward them with your time, with the dollar it costs to buy a piece of paper or whatever it is, or a pen laying around your house, whatever it is, but you do it. It is this practice of generous hospitality one with another, brothers and sisters in Christ, workers throughout the world, that we then become fellow workers for the truth. Now, I think it would be helpful this morning to remind us that the practice of generous hospitality has been a marker of this Durkeytown congregation for a very long time. Now, I've been here 30 two years, and I have been the beneficiary of amazing acts of generosity and hospitality. My family has. It has been one of the things that when people ask, you know, tell me about your church. Well, they're just generous and very hospitable. And that has been the testimony. It was the testimony before I came. The church was just filled with generous hospitality. You know, when I came in 1990, the the church budget was about $42,000. That was the whole budget. Um, But they were so very generous out of that budget. Uh, Generosity is shown in uh, diaconate work. Um, 
bridal showers, baby showers, food delivery, food pantries over the years. They're always taking meals to sick people, people in need, helping people in need over the years. Sometimes it's uh, heating oil in the winter. Sometimes it's helping somebody get somebody's car fixed, buying groceries, Hannaford cards, Stewart cards, whatever it is, flowing out of the generosity of your heart through the church, the diaconate puts that into work. And it has been a blessing over the years to be a part of that generosity. Of course, uh, homes have been open uh, very often to visiting guests. Sometimes those are missionaries. Other times, traveling singing groups. I remember for a number of years that we would have in the summertime, colleges would send troops around the area uh, to sing, and we'd have them come in, maybe 8 or 10 or 20 people, whatever, and we'd have to find places in the spend the night, and you got to feed them and all that thing. And you know what? It was never a struggle. They go, oh, yeah, I can take two, I can take four, I can take all of them, whatever. And people just open up their hearts and open up their lives. That's the testimony of this church. Very often, I think about the sacrifice of those who do foster care. Those who have adopted. Those who have provided respite care on the weekends for children. I think about those who care for shut-ins. They write letters. They make phone calls. They um, go and visit them. Nursing homes. People in need. I would suggest that our response to planting a church in Glens Falls a few years back, as sacrificial as it was, is a response of generous hospitality. It takes a lot to give up key leaders, to give up key people. And yet in Glens Falls today, another expression of the gospel is being manifested there because of our generosity and our hospitality. I would say the same thing is true of St. James. But I want to remind you that uh, our generosity and our hospitality wasn't limited to the work right in front of us. And I only have time just to give one quick illustration on this. Some of you were here in the early 2000s when we were uh, giving so sacrificially so that this building uh, could be funded and built debt-free. And in and, and the early 2000s, we, we got an email from our missionary in Podolsk, Russia, and he said, is there any way the church could take, you know, an offering and help because we want to buy a building that's next to the church and uh, renovate it into a youth center? Now, at the time, the church in Podolsk was very small. A lot of elderly people, no offense to the elderly, but they had a missionary there, because uh, I'm elderly, uh, they had a missionary there that was doing youth work, and youth were starting to come, and they needed a place. And so we did. We, 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 we prayed about it. We said to the congregation back then, what can we do? And, and we're raising money to get this building built. It's Christmas. And we say, here's what we do. And by God's grace, over that Christmas season, we raised, I believe it was in excess of $15,000 to send to Russia. And you know, I've been in that building many times. And some of you have traveled to Russia, have been in that building as well. And now, 22 years later, Many of the leaders in that church were the very people who were reached through that youth ministry in the early 2000s. They're the ones leading the church today. 
by God's grace. You see, that's how an attitude of generous hospitality works, and that's the fruit now that remains from our testimony as fellow workers in the gospel with people that many of you have never seen or met or know. And yet, God did something in our lives. And we sit in a building today by God's grace that's debt-free. And, and you're, you're the beneficiary of that because of the generosity of many over the years. This, I think, is a point of praise for us. Coming out of, of an incredibly challenging year, right? I mean, it, it, it has been challenging. And it, it can be discouraging. And it can be frustrating. But the scripture always calls us to look back at God's faithfulness so that we might then get a clear vision of God's faithfulness in the present time. And we need to be doing that. I, I want to remind you that it is a joy to see you walking in the truth. It is a joy. It is a joy to witness the love of God poured out on you because the Spirit is filling all things, including you and me. And it is by God's grace then that we are a church out of which flows rivers of living water. Why is that? It is because the Spirit that Christ promised would come did indeed come. And when this generous, life-giving love then pours out, it subverts the powers of death. It subverts the power of selfishness. It subverts the power of self-protection. And so, well, this, I gotta make sure I got my own stuff, you know? No, it, it opens the heart, and instead of a little trickle coming out, just blows out with rivers of living water into congregational life and, of course, into the world. And I just want to tell you, I'm both humbled and filled with gratitude for being part of this over the years. That I can look back and see how much life has poured out of us and into this region in which we live. Brothers and sisters, may we continue. May we continue this great work of generous hospitality. May we not stop. May our hearts be open today to the thing that God is desirous to do. And again, I, I, I'm not here suggesting some hospitality program. I'm not here suggesting some generosity program. Sometimes those things need to be organized, fine. But most of the time, we simply need to preach the gospel. We need to believe the gospel, and we need to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit then into the fruit that the gospel would bring there is still a door wide open for us to walk through. And the question is, will we walk through it or not? Will we be changed by the truth and the love of God or not? Now, generosity is a beautiful, beautiful fruit. But John does give a warning that I need to sound out. The warning is actually in the second letter that he wrote. And the warning is like this. You can't practice hospitality to everyone. Now, he's not talking about our limitations financially or the size of our house or whatever. 
he's talking about very clearly. And I want you to turn back just one page. And let me read beginning in verse number 4. John uses some similar language between his second letter and the third letter. He says, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, that's his kind of opaque reference to the church. That's how he's describing the church. He says, I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one that we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. Now verse 6, and this is love, that we might walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you've heard from the beginning, so that you should have you should walk in it, and here's why. Verse 7, many deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. So watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but that you may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in this teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both God, the Father, and the Son. So, verse 10, and here's where hospitality comes in. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, that is, the teaching of who Christ is, incarnate in the flesh, God in the flesh, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Now I understand that we don't want to be rude and unkind to people. But you had better be careful of the hospitality that you are extending to false teachers on your television. Or on your radio. Or on the internet. Let alone the ones who come to your doorstep and want to give you pamphlets and whatever... It isn't that you're rude to them, but you don't want to give them any encouragement as they go out and continue to give out non-truth concerning Jesus Christ. So on one hand, we want to be people of great hospitality and love to one another, to the church, to fellow workers, and to the lost, but we need to do so with discernment. So that's a warning that John gives. But there's also an encouragement that I want to leave you with this morning. Over the years, I have met people who do not believe they have much to offer when it comes to the practice of hospitality. Simply because they don't feel like they've been blessed with the same level of material goods that others have. You know, I have a big house, I don't have a fancy car, I don't have a lot of money, I can't fix a steak or whatever it might be. They go, I can't practice hospitality. I can't be generous. That simply is not true. God's generous hospitality towards us is not ours to try to match, nor is the way other people express hospitality ours to mimic. We each are given an expression of gifts and abilities in accordance with what God has deemed and desired, and it is within those things then that we act generously one towards another. It is never the size of the gift or the meal or of the house that matters to God. It is always the heart of the person who is giving the gift or the meal or opening your house that matters. 
And on one hand, I've seen people who, oh, I don't want to, I don't have nice stuff, I don't blah, blah, blah. That's, that's not what God's looking at. And, and then on the other side, you have people, well, you know, this is all for me. I can't share it with anybody. And both those attitudes need to be worked on by the Spirit who frees us then to act generously in the name of God. So there's a warning, there's an encouragement, but let me give you a correction. And I want to especially talk to children and to young people and to young families. So I, I hope you will, you will listen. As you begin to see the grace of God work in your life, you are going to have, over the years, spirit-given impulses toward the practice of generous hospitality. Don't think you have to wait because you're a young person. Well, you know, I gotta have a job and I gotta have a house and I gotta, you know, how to cook or whatever. No, you don't. Now, you probably gotta talk to your folks about it before you start inviting the neighborhood over. But <laughs> nevertheless, and parents, you need to be aware of how your children are looking to be generous and hospitable in their life and feed that, help them learn how to do that well. Let me also suggest that because we live in an age of consumption, we are who are of Christ need to set a different example how we spend our lives. And this goes out to everybody. Do you have any room in your life for hospitality? Or have you scheduled your life so far out to the margins you don't have any time? Or you don't have any resources? Generous hospitality, an attitude that Jesus expressed in a very busy ministry life, always had room for others. And we need to be very careful in an age of consumerism that we don't overschedule so that we don't have any energy or any time or any resources for others. You know, it is no secret that we are all pressed to the boards in life. But it's the choices that we make as to how we are going to live our lives and where we are going to express the generosity and hospitality of God to others. This, I believe, is the portrait of love and action that John commends to Gaius. What was started in Jerusalem continues in the church. Even today, let it continue. We have in the past done our part, and by God's grace, let us continue to do our part. Will you help us? Will you help? Will you do your part, whatever your part might be, so that we continue to be a church that expresses the love of God and the truth of God through hospitality? It might need to start right today in this room. Can you imagine someone in this room might be lonely, might need a word of encouragement that will take some time for you to give, for you to pray and say, Spirit of God, lead me to somebody. Maybe needs to be invited for lunch or dinner, have over this week. Maybe you need to get in a small group, whatever it might be. Will you do your part? Will you look for ways to let the Spirit work? And so as we come to the table of our Lord this morning, we have to ask, what changes do we need to make? What changes do we need to make? Where do we need to repent of pride or selfishness? Where do we need to ask God to strengthen us so that the good work which has been started can continue 
and by God's grace can flourish. Let me pray. Father, I do ask that you would free your spirit among us, pour out your spirit among us, the spirit that desires to fill all things today. And may we, by your grace, respond to his leading. May we not quench or grieve your spirit. And if there is any part of our lives that is doing that, would we see see it as the sin which it is and turn from it? And once again, oh God, unleash the rivers of living water that can pour out of us today and through our lives. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Ken Prater of Durkeytown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. You may freely copy and distribute this message, but please do so at no charge and without altering the contents in any way. For more information about Durkeytown, please visit our website at www.durkeytown.org.